It's different in the kingdom. That's what we've been talking about. It's different in the kingdom. We've been talking about health and healing. Probably going to wrap up tonight. Uh, for sure, want to get to some of the things that cause people a question about healing uh, in the scripture. And I can't tell you that I have all the answers, but I can tell you we're going we're gonna to get started on some answers tonight and then study further. One, one um, good resource that I, that I really want you to look at is, I, I think I wrote it down exactly how to look it up. I look up Andrew Womack's free online commentary. Andrew Womack, it's W-O-M-M-A-C-K. Andrew Womack's free online commentary. Now, it won't be all of his commentary. That you pay for. That's a, it's 120 bucks. Uh, you've got unlimited access to it. I'm probably going to order one for the church office so that we can all, all the ministry staff can use it. But I used the free one today, and it was great. And so I encourage you, Andrew Womack, it's his years and years and years of study, and always judge it by the word, no matter what commentary you're reading, because I read a lot of commentaries today that I was like, uh-uh. This does not line up. But Andrew Womack, as you know, is, as far as I know, I've never read anything of his that didn't uh, line up with the words. So I encourage you to look that up. I used it quite a bit today. So go with me to Matthew 8. Last week we left off. We're reading all the healings of Jesus that are recorded in the book of Matthew. We are walking with the disciples. We are following for the purpose of learning. If you don't see yourself in the scripture, you'll never live out the scripture. So if you need healing in your body, I encourage you to look at it from that standpoint. Learn from the people that Jesus ministered to. Watch uh, how he healed them and how they received. And also, if you're ready to the point that you're ready to be used by God to bring health and healing into other people's lives, then pay attention to what Jesus did and learn how he ministered healing from God to the people. So the last time we were here, we left off with Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. And it was, it was simple. It uh, wasn't a big show. Just said he touched her hand. And I think it was Brett that brought out one of the accounts from one of the other Gospels. Uh, said he, he said to her, either way, this was a very quiet event. She got up and took care of them, uh, healed. So Matthew eight sixteen is the next healing that we see. And y'all, I know some services are inspirational and shouting, and some are study. This one has been a study, Okay. But that's what we're doing here tonight is Bible study. So hang with me. I know it's a Wednesday night. I hope you got your coffee. But when Jesus heals somebody, that's worth looking at. And uh, we can learn from it. Matthew eight sixteen. When evening was come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. That's so simple. But you know what? He had to know the authority that he walked in. He had to know God. He had to know God's will was for these people to be free. He was not afraid of the demon that was in the people. We'll see it several times tonight. You say, well, why are you putting this in with the healing? Because this is healing. Right. 
And when you study the words, then there's several words for salvation in the Greek, it is all-encompassing. I mean, it is rescue, it is deliverance, salvation means healing. It just does, doesn't just mean that you were, you were saved from hell. Salvation is for right here, right now, too. And, and it's important that we get our heads wrapped around that. So he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You remember the first night, the first session that we covered this weeks ago, we talked about healing was in Jesus' DNA. God made sure that the prophet spoke that he would be a healer. And so it was, it was in the seed that Mary carried. He would walk out this healing ministry. He would take our infirmities and he would bear our sicknesses. That's Isaiah 53, 4 is what he's referring to there. You Don't, don't turn there. Just stay in Matthew because I'm, I'm just going to mention something to you. When I was thinking about how, Jesus is, how salvation was meant to be all-encompassing and, and wholeness, uh, 1 John 3, 8 tells us that this is why the Son of God was manifest. It is his why. It is why the Son of God was manifest. It says, so that he might destroy the works of the devil. And, and here again, this shows us, we spent a whole night talking about God doesn't put sickness and disease on people. It's his heart to heal. It's, it's who God is. He named himself Jehovah Rapha. He gave himself that name, the God who healeth thee. He called himself that. We talked about that the first night. But I love 1 John 3, 8 because it makes it very, very plain to me. This is why the Son of God was manifested so that he might destroy the works of the enemy. And what is the most prevalent ministry you see Jesus do? Healing. You see healing. So if Jesus is getting rid of it, what he is getting rid of is not the work of God. It's the work of the enemy. If Jesus is getting rid of it, this is going to become important later when we go to a controversial verse. If Jesus is getting rid of it, he is not getting rid of something God did. He's getting rid of something the enemy did. It, it, that's pretty plain. Doesn't even take any commentary, although I gave you some. It's just what preachers do. And John 5.16 says this. Uh, Jesus uh, was, was healing. The, the Jews were mad because he was healing on the Sabbath. And he said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. He's doing the works that God was having him to do. And so they keep going. They're mad because then they're saying, Oh, you think you're equal with God? Which I'm just telling you, if you start operating in a ministry that delivers healing to people, people will start looking at you. you got to always make sure you're pointing them to God. Jesus did point them to God as, as the provider, as the healer, as the source. And they still accused him of thinking that he was equal with God. So if you walk in and you start operating where you're ministering healing to people and people start getting healed, 
there will be persecution. Jesus gave them this answer to that. He said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. What's he doing? He's, he's going, this isn't me doing this. I'm going to point you to God. Even Jesus did that. He wanted to glorify God. So here's how you answer. <laughs> I can't do anything of myself. I can't heal you. I can lay hands on you all day long. And I promise you, if you got healed, it'll just be because I was obedient to the word that says the believer will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I can do nothing of myself. This is, this is the way he finished. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So tell me what Jesus saw the father doing. Healing. Healing, because he can only do what he sees the Father do. And whatever the Father does, the Son also does. This shows us God, right? We talked about this another week. It's what he told Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to see what God will do, what he won't do? Look at Jesus, which is what we're doing as we walk through the book of Matthew. So in Matthew 8, 28... I'm, I'm, we're not going to read this one just for sake of time. But we see him release two men from the possession of devils by simply saying, go. You remember the story? The pigs, the cliff, <laughs> the water. This wasn't a big show. He just looked at them and he said, go. He walked in that authority, knowing the father Knowing the Father's will for these men to be free, he just said, go. And the demons left. So let's go on down <clears throat> to Matthew 9. It's the next healing. And we're going to spend some time there. So you've got time to get there. Please do. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. So Jesus got in a boat, verse 1, crossed over, came to his own city, and behold, they brought to him a paralytic or a, a crippled man lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, just circle that, underline that. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. That's kind of unusual wording to say to somebody that you're healing. But Jesus knew that all ailments, all conditions, everything that was not health and wholeness came through the fall of man. So when he said, your sins are gone, he also said, your sickness is gone. Because if you take the sin nature out of the earth, it would be like it was in the Garden of Eden and like it is in heaven. We talked about that one week, right? Jesus said he wanted it to be on earth as it is in heaven. So he knew if he said your sins are, he was saying you're healed. When he said your sins are forgiven, he was saying you're healed. Did you know Jesus has forgiven you of your sins? 
He has redeemed you from your sin nature. That ought to bring healing. This is some powerful stuff. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. If you read this account over in, I saw, just saw a man standing at the door, but it's our security team. All is well. Don't get your weapons out. <laughs> Scott's standing out there. It's like, whew. Um, it's a big boy. Mark 2, 1 tells us that this was when the four friends lowered the guy through the roof. Same account. It's just that when you read it in the dis- different Gospels, the different witnesses to it, uh, put it in, they tell it their way. Just like if I told a story and Stacy told a story, it's going to come through our personalities. We're going to notice different things. So when it says he saw their faith, and you're going, who's they? <laughs> They is the four friends that you can read about in Mark 2. The house was so crowded, they couldn't get in. They wanted to get him in. Jesus was there. They knew if they could get him there, he would be healed. So they tear the tiling off the top of the house or the sod or whatever it was. They rip it off and they lower this guy down there on his bed, on his mat. Jesus saw their faith. Faith is an action word. You can't just sit and, and be healed. Faith will take some action. Faith, faith will say, you know what? I see healings for me. We've studied this for how many weeks? I see that, that healing is for me. I'm going to get in this book, and I'm going to put my own opinions and my own preconceived ideas, and I'm going to submit them to the Word. I'm going to get in the Word, and I'm going to see what the Word says. Because remember, when we talked about why don't people believe in healing, a lot of it was because of their own experience or the experience of somebody else. And so we've, if we want healing, we need to tear the roof off and get down to the truth of Jesus. And that's what I'm asking you to do. Don't see these as just stories. How does this apply to you? To me, that says if, if I am... If I'm needing healing in my body and I've decided I'm, then, then there's an action that needs to take place. I need the truth. I need to place myself before Jesus if he's the healer. And that book right there, well, Jesus was the, mer- the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So get in that word and find the truth about healing. Verse 3 says, And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? See, this healing irritates the religious mind. Oh, it just irritates it. Let me tell you why. Because it puts the responsibility on you. And religion wants to say, If God wants me healed, he'll heal me. Well, congratulations, he did. Over 2,000 years ago, when Jesus took stripes on his back, he fulfilled the will of the Father, and he provided healing for us. So the religious minds are, they're irritated. Jesus picks up on it. And he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? 
Now, if we ask ourselves that question, we will find out where we are in this story. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? We've got some work to do, don't we? We've got some work to do. In reality, it was all paid for in salvation. Jesus is not having to do anything else. It was all provided in salvation. It's no different. It's no different. It's all just received by faith. The work's already done. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So he irritates them even further. <laughs> so he says, so that you'll see that I have the authority to forgive sins, rise up and walk. He healed him. And he arose and departed to his house. And now when the multitudes saw it, they marveled and they glorified that's when you know you've done something right. Glorified God who had given such power to men. And when you get really ready, replace the word men with me. Do we need to sit on that a minute? Faith needs to become an action word. There's an account, don't turn there, but there's an account in Acts 14, verse 8. It's the man at Lystra. You remember that story? He was crippled, and uh, he had been crippled from birth. He had never walked, and he was listening to Paul. And Paul looked at him, and he saw that he had faith. He saw that the man had faith, but the man was not healed. So I say faith needs to have action to it. Paul saw that he had, uh, he saw, did I say Paul? Yeah, it was Paul. That he, he was, that he had faith to be healed, but the man wasn't walking. So Paul looks at him, saw that he had faith, and called out and said, stand up. He triggered, he triggered that faith that was just sitting there in the man to do something on what he believed. We go back to, I think I mentioned it last week, Karen wiggling the toe when she was paralyzed from the chest down. Y'all, we've got living, walking miracles right here in this room. Healings, supernatural healings. People that weren't supposed to walk. So we don't quit believing for our healing. There's more coming. Back to Matthew 9. The next one is Matthew 9. We'll, we'll, we're going to actually read it from Mark 5. So don't turn to Matthew 9, turn to Mark 5. Because Matthew 9 is when Jairus' daughter and the woman with the issue of blood all takes place. But there's just so much more information in Mark 5 that I would really like for us to read it out of that account instead, if that's okay with y'all. 
I think there's some important things there that need to be said. So Mark 5, give you time to get there. We're going to scroll down to verse 22. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So he's got this procession. that The guy is believing that if Jesus will come, lay his hands on her, she will live. Jesus is so willing. He and his crew pack up, do whatever they got to do. They go with him, and then something happens. There's an interruption in the chain of events in verse 25. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, mm, faith comes by. What do you think she heard about Jesus? This is the importance of your testimony. It's the importance of your testimony. Had she not heard, she would not have been healed. Saving Grace, Project Hope, your testimonies put hope in people. It develops faith in people. RCCNs, <laughs> your testimonies bring hope to people. They want to hear more. And my goodness, uh, Where, where are they going to hear it if they don't hear it from you? You know, put your testimonies out there. It's, it's important. Where did I get to? She had heard of Jesus. What verse am I on? Thank you. Okay. When she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, words are important. I set you up. If I only can touch his clothes, I will be made well. And, and, you know, there's lots of things about touching the hem of the garment, what the hem of the garment, what color the thread was, about the, you know, the, uh, the prayer shawl or the priestly robe. I mean, there's lots of stuff you can look up, but here's the basic story. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. And... You know, Malachi 4.2 prophesies that Jesus, that the son of righteousness, would come with healing in his wings. And if you look that up, it means the border or the corner. So, yes, there's lots of meanings there, and y'all can study that out. But tonight, I want you to see this. She heard about Jesus. She, faith took action. She wasn't supposed to be in public with an issue of blood. She said she wasn't. She did not see herself remaining ill to the degree that she walked out her door or her tent or whatever, walked out, pushed through the crowd, the crowd that could have called her unclean, the crowd that could have persecuted her. She knew if she could touch Jesus, she wouldn't have to worry about that anymore. And she had been dealing with this for years. Faith takes action. Verse 29, 
Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power or virtue had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Tell me when Jesus decided to heal this woman. He already had. When he came to do the Father's will, he already had. See, this is not coming and begging God for something. This is accepting what he already did. It's having the faith to say, I know. I know I'm whole because Jesus paid for it. I know if I have contact with Jesus that I'll be made whole. This is so important. This, to me, and see, people get upset and they go, but what about the sovereignty of God? Perfect. God in his sovereignty prophesied that the son of righteousness would rise up with healing in his wings. That he would take my sickness, my disease, my infirmities, my weaknesses, Isaiah 53, 4, 5, and 6. It was already decided by God, so Jesus didn't have to decide whether or not to heal the woman. The healing was in him. He didn't have to decide. She had to receive. And this is, this is where we have to be careful. But why didn't so-and-so receive their healing? I don't know. But this I do know. He made it available. And y'all, either we believe it or we don't. You know, there's tough stuff. Some of us have been through it. And it comes down to, is the word true or is the word not? And I'm not going to give up on the word because of a circumstance. If, if, if that were the case, Satan is going to run you over roughshod. Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened in her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith. We've seen this before in the other accounts we've read. Your faith has made you well. We have a part to play. Now, y'all, there's the gifts of healing. There's the gifts of the Spirit that flow as the Spirit wills. And when that gift of healing, we'll study them sometimes, the gifts. When that gift is flowing, that person doesn't have to believe. Sometimes there's just gifts. And we'll study those another time. But, but this, is a, this, is, this is receiving healing by faith, okay? Which takes something on our part. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, remember? The guy that's waiting for Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And they said, your daughter's dead. Why do you trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, Do not be afraid, only believe. Jesus knew immediately that he had to capture this guy's thoughts and get his attention. 
when things don't look like they're going our way, do not fear, only believe. And y'all, that takes some effort to control our minds. It takes effort to control our mouths. It takes effort to control our minds and to stick with what Jesus said. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. And this is some important lessons in here, y'all, for us. He didn't let anybody else come with him. I'm going to say, but the ones who could believe what he's fixing to do. He was going to take faith with with him, and he was going to leave doubt at home. And when when you're in a life battle... Who you're connected to is extremely important. And and we can't worry about so-and-so wants to come over, you know, protect your faith. Protect your wholeness. Protect your healing. Protect it. It's important. He left them behind. Still loved them. Still traveled with them. Still brought them along, discipled them, but not right now. He took with him Peter, James, and John. And when he had come to the house, verse 38, of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw all this commotion. Everybody's weeping. Everybody's wailing because the young lady had died. And when he came in, he said to them, What are you doing? What are you you?" What are you doing? Why are you making all this commotion? Why are you weeping? She's not dead. She's sleeping. (coughs) Why? Because if he had said she's dead, she's dead. But if he says she's sleeping, he can say wake up. Right? He's very protective of his words. Jesus is always very protective of his words, which is a great lesson for us. They ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, oh, man, I love Jesus. (laughs) He's like, every single one of y'all, out. That's what he said. I mean, don't you love him? He's 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 on a mission. He's fixing to raise this girl from the dead, and all of this commotion that's going on is going against what he's doing. They're ridiculing him. He doesn't need that right now. And so, I love this. When he had put them all outside, if you've got a loved one in a faith battle, in a life battle, don't be afraid to protect your atmosphere. You don't need doubt. You don't need ridicule. You don't need naysayers. Just let the people in who believe. And that is, it is, it is perfectly fine to do that. We just saw Jesus do it. If he needed to do it, I can promise you I sure need to do it. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered there where the child was lying. He took the child by the hand and he told her, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and she walked. She was about 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Man, I'm glad that dad shut up and didn't let fear come out his mouth. 
I'm glad Jesus stopped him. Because you know doubts were going through. But Jesus locked eyes with him and he was like, "Mm mm-mm, don't. Don't fear, only believe. And that guy could have looked away, looked down that road, wondered what was happening at his house, but he kept locked up with Jesus and that's what we got to do. If we're going to be made whole, we got to stay eye to eye. Don't fear, only believe. All right, that was good out of Mark 5, wasn't it? I know we're going fast, but man, whew, got a lot to cover. All right, back to Matthew. Where are we at in Matthew? We're going to go to Matthew 12. That's the next healing. Oh, this is a fun, oh, this is fun. This is a good one. I'm going to pull up a little Tom Underhill on you. That's my dad, by the way. We've got so many new people, and uh, we tried to find a clip from this today, Ken. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. Uh, we, we Googled, we looked, we listened. Uh, we could never find him doing this, this passage right here. Someday we'll find it when we do. We'll mark it. We'll earmark it where we can pull it up and, and just show some little clips of it every now and then. But he taught us so much uh, from these passages. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 9. It says, When he departed from there, he went into the synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Oh, religious, religious people. He's fixing to heal this guy, and you, you're, you're questioning if it's legal? I mean, something's wrong with that. If, if you've got that kind of mind, I want you to recognize it right now, and I want you to put a stop to it. He, he's fixing to heal this guy. And, and they listen to why they ask, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? They don't care about the guy with the withered hand. They don't like Jesus because he's messing with their stuff. It's, it's just kind of like, I know we didn't read the passage, it's like the guy, the, the demon-possessed guys, the two guys, and, and Jesus, when he says go, and the demons go into the pigs, and the pigs all run off the cliff, and they all drown in the water, and then you know what, you know what happens? The people, and these, these demonic guys were so fierce, the scripture said, that people couldn't pass by them. Like they were so mean and so crazy and so violent. They terrorized the whole community. They couldn't even go by where they hung out along the caves of the tombs. And Jesus makes them whole. And you know what happened? The whole city rejoiced. No. The city came out and said, Jesus, get out. Go somewhere else. You know why? Killed their pigs. Killed their pigs. They traded the man. They would, they would have traded those two men's souls off for their herd of swine. And if they were Jewish, they weren't even supposed to have swine anyway. <laughs> Some interesting stuff in the Bible. If you don't find great interest in the Bible, you're not reading it right. You've got to think when you read it because this thing is amazing. And when you really take the time to study it out, you're just like, what? 
back to Matthew 12, I'm sorry. Sorry I went to the pig story. I'll have y'all asking questions about that all night. I don't know all the answers, okay? I just know that it was better off that they weren't in those two men. And that those two men got to live out there. They got to go home to their families. Those two boys, if they were young, got to show up and go see their mama and they weren't crazy anymore. If they had wives or children, they got to go back and they weren't inflicted anymore. That's, you can have my pigs all day long, folks. Mm. Yes. Yes. That they might accuse him. Verse 11. He said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? Well, yes, they would, because that's their sheep. Of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he looked at the man, and he said, Stretch out your hand. Who can do it? I see you, Janelle. Come on, let's do a little Tom Underhill move here. Dad would do this from the pulpit every time. He'd get his sports coat, he'd put his hand up in his jacket. He'd say, and Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And then he would say, how did the hand know how far to stretch? Why did it not just keep going to the back of the room? I'll tell you why in just a minute. Stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Not everybody's going to applaud when you move in the ministry of healing or when you're healed. They began to plot against him how they might destroy him. Okay, real quick, we've got to go back to the sleeve. Because it's just so powerful that it went back till it was like the other one. And this dad would do a whole lesson on this, and I'm going to shorten it, okay? Because I, I don't have all the scientific stuff that he, all the copies of stuff that he had. But this is the long and short of it. God has an image of you whole. And if you could see, there's certain kind of, or something like that, photography, that if you take a leaf and tear the leaf in half and you use this kind of photography, you can still see the aura of the leaf that, the part of the leaf that tore away. So in the spirit realm, was the man's hand withered or was the man's hand whole? So when Jesus said, stretch forth your hand, it fulfilled God's image. God sees you whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. So when he says, be healed, you ought to know what's moving, what's changing, because he sees you whole. Mm. Move into the way God sees you. 
start moving into the way God sees you. He doesn't see what's wrong. He sees what's yours. He doesn't see what's wrong. He sees what's yours. Peace is yours. Joy is yours. Your families are yours. Your health is yours. Provision is yours. He expects what's missing to get in line with wholeness. We could end and say amen right there, couldn't we? Y'all think on that one. Meditate on that one this week. Verse 22, he heals one that's possessed with the devil. Blind and dumb, the blind sees, the dumb speaks. Chapter 14, Jesus has, whew, Jesus. Jesus has gone to a desert place after hearing about the beheading of John. You know, Jesus felt. He was the son of God, but he was the son of man. John the Baptist has been violently killed uh, on a whim, head placed on a platter, celebrating his death. And Jesus goes away, goes to a desert place. He needs to process. He needs to process. And in verse 14 of chapter 14, the crowds find him. And he said, I can't do this right now because I'm going through something. No. They found him and he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. I promise you there is no better healing than healing. There's no better way to get better than to help somebody get better. I, it, it's, it's just amazing when you sow a seed how you receive a harvest. I say it's amazing. The Word teaches us that. Isn't he wonderful? Now the next one is another, has another interesting element. So let's go to chapter 14, verse 34. I'll try to speed up. I'm, I'm watching it, boss. Uh, chapter 14, verse 34. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. I often wondered if this is from the power of testimony from the woman with the issue of blood. Because they said, if, I can only if we can only touch the hem of his garment, if you'll just let us touch the hem, testimony, y'all, testimony. If you've been healed, testify. Tell people. Uh, let's go to chapter 15. I really want to, I want to make sure we get to this one tonight because this one troubles a lot of people. Matthew 15, verse 22. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me. Where was she from? Canaan. She's not a covenant woman. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. She's, she's tormented. 
and he answered her not a word. Oh, that's different than everything we've been reading, isn't it? See, I don't want to skip this tough stuff. Let's talk about it. Because a lot of times if you don't talk about it, people will throw away everything else that we've read for three weeks and get hung up on this right here. So we don't want to do that. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But when he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and Jesus even told the disciples when he sent them out, and he said, go out and heal the sick, etc. He told them not to mess with the Gentiles. The non-covenant. They were to go to Israel, to the house of Israel, to the believers, to the, I shouldn't even say believers, because a lot of them weren't believers, to the, to the covenant people. We've got to understand there's dip, dispensations or, or times of certain things. And, and, of course, Jesus came and he opened the door to the Gentiles, but that time had not come yet. And so he said, I have been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. I know, right? Like, oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. Yeah, that's, this line is not in that song. It's because nobody knows what to do with it. Like, nobody knows what to do with this Jesus. This was a very common saying. <laughs> the covenant people were very proud to be covenant people. And, 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 and at this point, to the point of error. And they, Jesus talked about it. He said, y'all stand on the street corner praying so that everybody can hear you pray. You're doing this, you're doing that so that everybody can see you, you know. And you can see how when they, they go to attacking Jesus, it's about them. It's not about the Father. You, get, you see Jesus sit down, make a whip, and clean, and clean out the temple because, you know, it's supposed to be a house of prayer and they made it a den of thieves, he said. And so there's this, this Jesus is upset with them because they're, they're, not, they're not in love. With God or man. And so when he says this, this is just shocking. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And I want to take a side journey right here and say this. Healing is bread to the covenant person. So what he's saying. Bread is common. It, bread is common. I'm going to say, um, it belongs to you. It's, I mean, you, you, my kid doesn't have to come up to me and say, can I have a piece of bread? If you want a piece of bread, get a piece of bread. Now, if there's a chocolate pie on the counter, come ask me. But bread's common. It belongs to you. It's really an everyday staple for the covenant person. He says, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And she said, oh, you got to love her. Lord, mm, 
Did you catch that word? Did you catch that word? It's a non-covenant woman right here. But she knows something. She's seen something. And she needs something. Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus knows faith when he sees it. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Here we go again. Here we go again with that statement. Her faith, this was her faith that made her whole. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Y'all, she had no right to the healing because she was not covenant. She had no right to it, but she had faith for it. Bill Winston did a teaching on this not too long ago, and I'd give anything if I'd have written down the name of it. I looked for it today. I think maybe I found it, but I didn't have time to listen to the whole thing. If I find it, I'll let you know. But he was talking about how her faith trumped the dispensation of time. You know how Jesus, we talked about Jesus healed on the credit before he went to the cross? She received on the credit before he went to the cross. Whoo! Jesus likes it. He said, this is some great faith. We, we've seen him talk about great faith before, right? We, last week, I think it was, we saw him talk about great faith before. I just think that's so good. We know that covenant people had right and that Jesus saw them as having right. We saw, we'll, we didn't see. You know this from Luke 13 where the woman bowed over. And the religious bunch was getting mad again because, you know, Jesus was going to heal her. And he said, ought not this daughter of Abraham, right, connecting her to the covenant, ought not this daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound be loosed? And so that's, that's in Luke 13. You can look at that another time. But we know Jesus understood covenant. And I think this woman that he called the little dog. I think this woman understood covenant. She knew she didn't have covenant. But what a mama will do. And she said, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from them. She knew where she was in this dispensation of time. Even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. I I used to dread this story, now I love it. I love it. She didn't argue the point of the dispensation. She, her faith, it, her faith overcame it. That's all I can tell you. Um, she got healed on the credit. Uh, how do we even go on from there? Verse 30, verse 31, he heals the sick and the multitudes coming to him again. Again in chapter 19, verse 2, he heals those in the multitude. Uh, I'm going to try to get one more in and then this, I think it's the last one. I was going to try to cover John 9, but we'll cover it another time. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 29, they were, uh, went out of Jericho. A great multitude followed Jesus 
two men were sitting by the road, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Have mercy on us, O son, O Lord, son of David. And when the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? You know, sometimes the obvious is not what people want. They might have been blind and said, I've got this sinus infection. I mean, really. Jesus needs to know what you want. What do you want me to do for you? What a statement. Can you imagine? I mean, I'd be like, Jesus, sit down. This is going to take a while. <laughs> but they came, they said, we want our eyes to be open. So Jesus had compassion. He touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. In chapter 21, Jesus made the whip, he cleansed the temple. And in the very next verse, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. He was just about the father's business. That's what he was doing. And a big part of the father's business is seeing to it that you're well. Seeing to it that you're saved in every aspect of that word. Y'all, if you don't believe and haven't had faith built in the last three weeks or four weeks or however long we've been on this, I don't even know. Then go back and read these again. Hmm. John 9, 2. Do we want to hit that one? If y'all need to leave, slip out, because this is another one that gives people trouble. This is, my, this is my everyday Bible, and this is my bring it out for people to see Bible. This one's got the good stuff in it, all the notes from all the years, but some of the pages are kind of falling out. So, I think John has one of those too, don't you, John? <laughs> but to get you a public Bible and a... I'm always concerned that someday one of these pages is going to like fall out and then I'll try to turn there and it won't be there. All right. I know y'all are there. Let me get there. I'll, I promise to be quick. Uh, verse 1 says, And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. This was the common perception, that if you were sick, you had sin. And Jesus is fixing to blow that one out of the water. Now, there's a partial truth there. There is sin in the earth. The earth is cursed. Because Adam and Eve bowed their knee to a cursed God, so their thorns come up before the vegetables, right? Uh, the, the earth has responded to the sin nature, the sin atmosphere that's in the world. The earth has responded to it. So have our bodies. I, I, I don't look or feel the same age I did 30 years ago. The, the, the atmosphere just changes some things. I don't, even as a faith person, I don't go out 
and, and just walk into a, a garden. I have to sew for it. Actually, the shorts have to sew for it because I don't grow one. <laughs> you have to force seed into the ground to get the harvest that you desire. It doesn't just happen. And so we live in a cursed earth. And in a cursed earth, some stuff happens that we don't want, that we don't like. Now, faith, faith is for us to use to overcome things, but we have to force it. We have to plant for it, I should say. And we have to plant the word into the situation, let the word do a work. Otherwise, if you just go as nature has it, it's not, it's not going to be good. And so they said, hey, why, why is this man born blind? Who sinned? His parents or him that he was born blind? And I'm going to read it to you the way it's written. Okay, you ready? King James Version. I'm going to use King James Version punctuation, the whole nine yards. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So it makes it sound like God made this kid be born blind so that God can show out. And y'all, that just doesn't fit my, my M.O. I've been studying for weeks and weeks of God. That he would put a kid through this just so he could be glorified. Hey, God was glorified when the, when the people were healed that were, that were blind. That he said, go and sin no more. <laughs> he didn't have to use a baby to get glory for healing blind. It doesn't even make sense. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I don't call making a baby be born blind the light of the world. It just doesn't, my whole spirit just goes, uh. Now, what if we take the punctuation out? Do you know man put chapter and verse in? Man put the punctuation in? It wasn't that way in the original. Let's just read it and see. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Oh. Okay. Just take the period out at the end of verse 3. Do it again. Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Interesting, isn't it? This one causes people a lot of trouble. When we see something that contradicts with the rest of the word, we need to look at it. 
if it appears that it contradicts with the rest of the word. Because God has an MO. He has a mode of operation that goes from Genesis to Revelation. And so if we see something that doesn't look right, we need to look at it. And I'm not saying get crazy with it and just twist it to be what you want, but at least study it out and look at it. This man didn't sin that didn't cause his blindness. Well, God was just judging New Orleans when he sent what, Katrina. No. The scripture says that he reserves his wrath for his enemies. I mean, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So we've got to go through and we've got to read the word by the word. We need to know the character of God. And if y'all hadn't figured out yet that he is Jehovah Rapha, then, then study some more. Because nowhere did he call himself the God who makes you sick. I don't know what the Hebrew is for that, and I don't want to know. I like Jehovah Rapha much better, don't you? All right, y'all can stand. It's been an interesting study. Thank you for hanging with me. I know there's lots more we could cover. There's other uh, healings and other accounts, but I'll let y'all go through and dig those out. You know, that I had to learn about healing is, it says the believer will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Something just started. So be really careful after you get hands laid on you not to go and say a negative thing against it. Like that healing flow, just see it like the healing flow is going and it's doing a work in your body. Don't do anything to stop it. Just say, at 8-11 on Wednesday night, I received my healing. And if that part is hurting, just tell it, nope, I, re I received my healing at 8-11 on Wednesday night and, and keep standing on the word. Don't let things dictate to you. Power. We thank you for your healing anointing. Father, you said you sent your word and you healed us and you delivered us from our destruction. So, Father, even things in people's bodies that, that were brought on by their own actions, Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for it. You sent your word and you healed us and you delivered us from our destruction. Father, right now where we stand, we receive it. We receive it. I thank you, Father, that we are healed. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Thank you for making that decision, Father, to make that available for our bodies, that we would finish our days in health and in strength until our life is satisfied. Until our life is satisfied. Until we've... we've ran the race and ran it well. We will walk out our days in health and in strength. Just as Caleb said, give me the mountain. <laughs> in his 80s, give me the mountain where the giants are simply because you promised it to him, Father. He never gave up on your promise. Let us be Caleb's and finish strong. Our minds strong and strengthened by your word we have the mind of christ any weapon that's formed against our bodies or our minds it cannot prosper 
It cannot continue to advance. Father, we are healed and made whole. Mm, the blood of Jesus. We are saved. Saved. Salvation. Yes, and made whole. I thank you for it, Father. 